1: And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Tuesday, February the 6th, 2024, in the year of our Lord. On February 6th, 1952, Britain's King George Sixth, 56 years old, he died in Norfolk, England. He was succeeded as monarch by his 25-year-old elder daughter. She became Queen Elizabeth II. Today in 1778, during the Revolutionary War, the United States won official recognition and military support from France. That came about by signing a Treaty of Alliance in Paris. Today in 1788, Massachusetts became the sixth state to ratify the U.S. Constitution. Today in 1815, the state of New Jersey issued the First American Railroad Charter to a guy named John Stevens. He proposed a rail link between Trenton and New Brunswick, but the line was never built. Today in 1911, Ronald Wilson Reagan, 40th President of the United States, was born in Tampico, Illinois. Today in 2008, the Bush White House defended the use of interrogation technique known as waterboarding. He said it was legal, not torture, And it saved American lives. Today in 2022, Queen Elizabeth II, yes, that Queen Elizabeth II, celebrated her 70th anniversary as queen. Hers was an unprecedented reign that made, she became a symbol of stability in the United Kingdom. And today in 2023, a powerful 7.8 magnitude earthquake struck Turkey and Syria toppled thousands of buildings trapping residents under mounds of rubble the death toll would eventually be more than 50,000 people nature is striking in california today as you know southern california in particular at los angeles river which is a great big concrete conduit it's dry most of the time i used to drive by it almost every day going to the church and i uh, <laughs> it's amazing to see the pictures of it overflowing into the streets with water that's not the norm uh, for Los Angeles and many of you have been there you know that but the hills are sliding down and Beverly Hills has become a Beverly Hill of mud and um, the rest of the city particularly around the Hollywood area and, and in the hills there boy it's a problem and it's uh, continuing through today. They got 10, I think they said 10 inches of rain yesterday and um, I mean it's unbelievable and so it continues today. Many people here in the northwest and the western part of the United States have family there in the area so we'll pray for them and, and uh, pray that God will God will protect them and their families and their properties and so on. The Bible says in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, verses that you know from memory, many of you, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Romans 12, 1 and 2. I want to talk to you today about God's will, God's good, acceptable, and perfect will regarding America. Somebody says, oh boy, there he goes. No, I'm going to stay right on scripture today. But I want to talk to you a little bit about this border bill that just came out. It was heralded in advance before anybody had read it as almost a supernatural work. I mean, almost anointed like the Constitution of the United States or something like the Bible, maybe. After trying to coax the public servants of Congress to vote for Biden's immigration bill, failing to do so, they finally had to pass out copies. Yes, they were trying to get these guys that we've elected and sent back to D.C., to vote on this thing before they'd even seen it. Nancy Pelosi was a big advocate of that a few years ago when she was Speaker of the House. She was said, well, we'll have to pass it before we can read it and see what we passed. And she wasn't smiling. She was serious. Well, they tried the same thing with this. It didn't work. Schumer and McConnell working together didn't work. So they passed out the bill. Well, the immediate response was not positive by some. But some are really advocating for it. They think this is a good deal. It will destroy our country if it were to pass. Our country is in the process of being destroyed now. It must be reversed. A part of this, and the bill has kind of become known overnight, the last 24, 48 hours, as the border never closes bill. I mean, that's what a lot of people are calling it. The chief Democrat negotiator on the Senate bill, he called it that because he saw the positivity of saying, trust me, you leftists out there in, you know, political land, we, we're we taking care of you. The border will never close. But to the ordinary people around the nation, they said, What? What do you mean the border will, are you standardizing what has been happening over the last number of years, the last three years in particular, since President Biden came into office and his administration? Are you going to normalize that now? Yes, they are. They're trying to. That's what this bill is really all about. Senator Josh Hawley, a representative, a Republican from Missouri, he said, you know, he said, when I heard the border never closes, that's all you need to know. Not to vote for it. He said, I don't even have to read the rest of the bill. The Senate's draft border bill that promised to reduce migration chaos at the border actually invites a greater inflow by welcoming migrants who seek jobs and claim asylum. And they may be terrorists, but we don't know. And they will embed themselves into America, and millions have already done this, and we won't know where they are or who they are. And they will be planning. They're called silent cells by our officials. Speaker Mike Johnson, Speaker of the House, when he saw the bill, he said, I've seen enough. He said, this bill is even worse than we expected and won't come close to ending the border catastrophe that the president has created. As the lead Democrat negotiator proclaimed under his legislation, Mike Johnson is saying, Speaker Mike Johnson the border never closes, and so on. So that was pretty much the response to this. He said, I've seen enough. The phrase, the phrase, the border never closes is the much replayed quote from the top Democrat negotiator. Chris Murphy is running around. He was the top negotiator. Langford was the top Republican. He's trying to sell it as well from Oklahoma. I can't believe that what he's doing Senator Lankford, I, don't, I can't believe that represents Oklahoma. It certainly doesn't represent the people that I know from Oklahoma, and I know a few. Anyway, the Democrats are proudly proclaiming the new border law never closes the border. And, of course, the entire $115 billion Rand Paul went off on this. If you know Rand Paul, you can smile and appreciate this, and we do appreciate him. He's a good guy. He's smart. He said, "He said nothing. Absolutely nothing is conservative about this deal," Senator Rand Paul. Senator Murphy has been working on this, though, to get this bill to, to un- make America understand. He, he's the, the Democrat. He said, "You can't reduce arrivals at the border without allowing for more legal immigration." What? He said, so more visas. I'm quoting him 50,000 extra employment and family reunification visas each year for the next five years, and a brand new visa category to allow na- now non citizens to visit family in the U.S. I'm quoting. He said, a clarification of how human- humanitarian parole is used at the land borders, but no changes to the president's ability to bring in vetted, sponsored, migrants through the program known as Cuba, Nicaragua, Haiti and Venezuela parole CNHB. He said a new pathway to citizenship for Afghan parolees, the Afghan Adjustment Act. And the children of H one B holders, these kids are often currently subject to deportation when they become twenty one. They're going to fix that as well. That won't happen now. The bill helps fix the border, he says, and reform our broken asylum system. But it doesn't deviate from our nation's core values. We are a nation that re, that re, uh, rescues people from terror and violence. We are a nation that is stronger because of our tradition of immigration. Period. Stop. Those are his words. Well, it is true, we are a nation that is stronger because of our tradition of immigration. Immigration. There is a threat of truth in this lie. We are stronger because of our tradition of immigration. However, this bill allows nothing close to what our tradition of immigration has been. It's been measured, controlled, thoughtful, and the policies were pro-American, not global and globalist. The bill does absolutely deviate from our national core values. It puts its fist in scripture. And scripture was the basis for the founding of America. And it was the basis for the design and the construction of our immigration system in the beginning. And it has been that over the years until just recent years. We have turned our back on our founders. We've turned our back on biblical teaching that they reflected on and used as a guide for creating our immigration system. We've turned our back on all of that. As we've turned our back on marriage, as we've turned our back on human sexuality, as we've turned our back on gender, telling God, no, 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 you've made a lot of mistakes, God. There's all kinds of genders out here. 54 or 62 or whatever the number is. It's disgusting to me. You say, but Gary, God loves them. Of course he loves them. He died on a cross for them. But loving them doesn't mean they have a license to destroy a country that God raised up, that God blessed and prospered. That's the problem. This bill absolutely deviates from our national core values and a host of other bills that come from these people on the left. That's the problem that we have in America today. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, he celebrated with the the Republican minority leader, Mitch McConnell. They worked together on this plan. They said, Schumer said, we have never, meaning he and, and, and McConnell, we have never worked more closely on a bill. I wondered what in the world was Mitch McConnell thinking when he took ownership of this crazy, crazy attempt to destroy America. Well, this morning, just a little while ago, Minority Leader Mitch McConnell. The news is saying, as we speak, as I came on live today, this this is just coming out in the news. (laughs) Minority Leader Mitch McConnell made the shocking decision this morning to recommend that Republicans block the advancement of the Senate pro-migration border bill. McConnell went to bed last night and thought about all this, and his political mind kicked in. I'm sure it wasn't a moral decision, but it was at least a decision. And he goes, I don't think this is going to be a good thing. He gets up this morning and he's telling the nation and the world not to vote on it, to vote against it. And he's telling the Republicans in the Senate not to support it. After all this... And then Schumer stands up and crows about it, the fact that how closely they work together. He said, we've never never worked more closely. Those are his words. Now here we are, McConnell saying, "Uh, don't vote for this. He knew what was in it. He and Schumer led the creation of it. I don't think he expected people to be smart enough to understand it. We're smarter than those people think we are. We get stuff that they don't understand that we get. We know what's going on. There's an enlightenment kind of happening in America today in regards to politics and the culture. There's also a move of God. There's a revival that's happening around the country. I talk about it often on this program, as you know. The press doesn't cover it, but others do, like myself, and there's a lot of others that are talking about it. We should be. That first procedural vote on this cockamamie bill was set for Wednesday, tomorrow. Nobody knows at this moment. Now, some of you will hear this program later today, but uh, on Tuesday. But um, at the moment that we're on live at 9 a.m. this morning, it's unknown if Majority Leader Chuck Schumer will even forge ahead. Or try to push this bill. I think he will. But that will play out today. It will be in the news. It will be spun as though the Republicans are once again taking a stand against humanity and compassion. And even some will say biblical teaching. And speaking of biblical teaching, I want to talk to you this morning about the Bible and borders. The Bible teaches respect for national borders. If you have a pencil you might want to make some make some notes but follow me on this. In Deuteronomy chapter 32 verse 8 Moses writes that God ordained the independent existence of nations. He said quote when the most high divided to the nations their inheritance when he separated the sons of Adam he set the bounds of the people according to the number of the children of Israel. God set the bounds legitimizing nationhood and national borders. In Numbers chapter 20, verse, uh, chapter 20 and 21, God further affirmed his approval of nationhood, instructing his people to seek permission to cross the territory belonging to the Edomites and the Amorites on their journey to the promised land. You can read this for yourself. Moses even offered to pay for the water that they would use and the food their animals would eat while they were in this host country, not wanting to come in and stay, they were wanting to cross it. He also promised to recognize their culture, and to, I'm quoting from the Bible, and to, quote, turn, not turn to the right or to the left while they were in transit, God's people. Moses also used the term, your country, in numbers, as he assured the king of Edom of good behavior until such time that God's people had crossed his borders. Controlling a nation's borders and respecting other nations' borders is consistent with biblical teaching, right from the beginning. Secular, progressive, political correctness has overwhelmed this truth. They've conformed the thinking of well-meaning people. We are becoming conformed to the world, not transformed by the renewing of our mind in regards to a, a host of issues, including national security and sovereignty of this nation. And every nation, secular progressive political correctness has overwhelmed this truth. They're, it's pushing it down to where a, a generation doesn't even know what the Bible says about this. The leftists are out there with their Bible in one hand and they're preaching a gospel that is foreign to the to the Bible. They're teaching things about, particularly about compassion and open border equals compassion. Open borders equals nonsense and it equals a rebellion against God. It's not compassion. Illegal entry into a country is not found in biblical teaching anywhere. Anywhere. In fact, we're taught to adhere to the laws of countries in which we're guests or even strangers. I'll talk more about strangers in a moment. Biblically, each country must decide how it will accept immigrants and refugees how many and under what criteria? That's God's way. That's God's plan. It isn't like God created human beings and uh, uh, like we're deists or something. God created human beings and then He checked out and said, "You're on your own and good luck." And you know, I hope this works out for you. That's what deists believe. We don't believe that. As Christians, we believe biblical teaching and the Bible. The thread of in regards to nations and national sovereignty is consistent all the way through the Word of God, from the Old Testament into the New. Christians are told to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every person, every creature. I often hear the religious left use this great commission to legitimize open borders, explaining to people that I know, they are friends of mine, and I go, what in the world are you thinking? These people explain that God will bring the world to America so we don't even have to go to their country to share the gospel. Tear down the borders, let the people flood in by the millions. And that sounds, when it's presented, it sounds like someone who wants to save the world, like Apostle Paul or somebody. But even Paul didn't teach that, and I'll get to that in a moment as well. We're told to go into all the world, preach the gospel, the Great Commission, that doesn't legitimize open borders. Explaining that God will bring the world to America, so we need to go to their country to share the. We won't have to go to their country to share the gospel. Certainly, we must share the gospel with all the ethnic groups and the immigrants and so on in America. And yes, that's a vital mission field as people come to America and we can share the gospel, share the the story of the gospel and Jesus Christ as Savior. Jesus didn't intend his commission to be used as to deconstruct a nation, any nation. His intention was clearly to share the gospel with the nations of the world. In Isaiah chapter 13 through 23, there's a number of prophetic announcements concerning 10 different nations. Nations. Nations has always been a part of God's plan for humanity until Jesus returns and then everything changes. These prophetic announces concern 10 different nations. In Isaiah chapters 13 through 23, again, you can read this. It involves Babylon, Palestine, Moab, Syria, Ethiopia, Egypt, Edom, Arabia, Judah, and Tyre. God judges nations as nations. Therefore, it's not sinful or unchristian for those living in a certain nation to have a distinctly national distinctive. And we're told it is. The religious left is out there all the time, and they're trying to clear a path for the leftists who couldn't care less what the Bible says, who are now in power, clear a path for them to destroy, deconstruct this nation and make it into something very different than what the founders intended and what God has blessed. Barack Obama was always talking about remaking America. That wasn't just a passing use of a word, remake. He It was a thought-out plan. I mean, that was his agenda, to remake America. His wife said, Michelle said often, a couple of times in public, That she never the only time she was ever proud of this country was when Barack was running for president or elected as president or whatever. There's no love for this country. There's no appreciation because we haven't taught we haven't taught history for quite some time. A nation ceases to be a nation if its borders are not controlled. Paul was preaching, the Apostle Paul was preaching in Athens. He confirmed this biblical model in the New Testament. He said in Acts chapter 17, verse 26 and 27, he said, quote, And he was made from one blood every nation of man to dwell on the face of the earth and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings so that they should seek the Lord in the hope that they might grope for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. From one blood, God has ordained many nations, nationhood, seeking God, and linked in Paul's teaching. Nationhood facilitates evangelism. Yet some churches teach that nationhood is a barrier to world evangelism and the advancement of God's kingdom. This causes well-meaning Christians to sometimes feel little to no responsibility here on earth. And it makes some uninformed Christians think, boy, we probably really should tear down those walls and let those people in. That would be the love of God. It isn't the love of God. It's the deception of Satan. And it stands in absolute, abject poverty, mentally and spiritually, to what God wants for a nation. Yes, I believe America is exceptional. Do I believe somehow God has set America aside for some special purpose to replace the Jews? Absolutely not. I don't believe that. The Bible doesn't teach that at all. That's replacement theology, and I don't believe it. It's not true. But what is true is that God has given nations, boundaries, a special place in his scheme, his plan, for this world, for this time. The Bible is abundantly clear. Nationhood was from the beginning. The divine institution of nationhood is first found in Genesis chapter 10. Those nations did not immediately come into existence as God had instructed because in Genesis 11, we read the people were not living in distinct groups or nation communities as God had planned and said. You know the story of Nimrod, the the Tower of Babel. It was in this setting that we first find an organized rebellion against what God had declared. Most Christians know the story of the Tower of Babel very well. Nimrod led this rebellion. He was suggesting that the Tower would facilitate the people in becoming more authoritative than God himself. And enable them to build a one-world society, one incidentally, without the burden of God and all of his rules and commandments. The stranger that Jesus spoke of, there are a number of references in scripture relating to Israel and strangers. In all references, it's taught that they must be treated well and so on. However, these mentions of strangers were never intended to be charters for mass immigration or mass uncontrolled migration of refugees. It is not biblically correct to use the verses from Galatians chapter 3, verse 28, and the left does, to justify the obliteration of national identity. Jim Wallace did that for years with his sojourners, Tony Campolo, Al Sharpton, and a whole bunch of religious left have done that, and they continue to do that. The sanctuary cities have been set up in America because of this open borders, compassion, misinterpretation of what God says in his word. We now have unvetted people in this country from all over the world who did not come here to assimilate into our culture. They came here to destroy and kill us. And many are fearful that we're going to begin to see that happening in the near future. When Paul writes in Christ there is neither Jew nor Greek, he's stating that men of every nation may be partakers of the covenant of grace, not that nationhood should be destroyed. Hey, thanks for being with me today. I'll see you tomorrow.
0: Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells.